Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with us, serious, he's a very serious guy. Oh, yes. <laughs> Radio host. And uh, bon vivant about town, John saying, John, it's a pleasure to have you back as always. Uh, love having you here. We're going to take a really, we do that little promo thing at the beginning. So we'll take a quick break for a commercial message and then we'll be right back. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, with his serious XM radio host, John Fugelsang, comedian, bon vivant, man about town. Oh, yeah, and, and a and a well, like me, a big Beatle fan. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, John, thanks for coming back to the show. Love having you here. Brian, it's always a pleasure to drag your show down to my level and ruin all the hard work you put into it. So thank you. <laughs> well, you know, after talking with sometimes it's great after doing serious stuff not to, you know, but not to say that we're not going to be serious. I, I, you know, we were talking before we started. I'll ask you right now, UAPs. That's a question that was asked. And I, I'll give you my take on it before I Please. ask you. Please. Um, I've covered it for years, read a lot of books, interviewed people. There was a, a case in Texas where I interviewed um, two women who saw a diamond shape uh, back then called UFOs, uh, surrounded by hel Chinook helicopters one night. And they sued, it's the only case where they've sued, anyone sued the uh, American government because they claim they got radiation poisoning from the, uh, yeah, from from their interaction with life from the UFO. Covered that right. story. Interviewed people in Kelly, Kentucky, and um, never really, you know, I've never seen anything myself. My wife has, my kids have, not me. Um, so I, I've covered it for years, and it's always been treated in the White House press briefing room as a, a joke. Um, back there used to be a guy. His name was Les, I believe, who was, a, and I wrote about him in a column, a defrocked um, a minister who actually was the first to ask a question about AIDS in the briefing room in uh, the Reagan administration. For that effort, he was called a fairy by uh, by White House Deputy Pr uh, Press Secretary Larry Speaks. One of the other things he, yeah. yeah, one of the other things he asked about was UFOs, and it was always laughed at, and in fact, uh, one time when asking, I think it was Joe Elkhart or someone, why do you call on that guy? He said, because he makes the rest of you look like idiots. Flash forward to last week in the briefing room and a reporter asked a question about UAPs, the current uh, gnome de, de guerre for uh, UFOs. And um, John Kirby not only addressed it seriously, but said they're real. They've interfered with training and we don't know what they are but they're real. That's quite a difference from where it was, you know, at the end of project blue book when they dismissed everything as either hoaxes, mirages, swamp gas, or light refracting off of Venus. So uh, take it away. What's your take? Uh, my take is if you had told me in the nineties that we would live to see gay marriage, legal weed, and the government admitting UFOs are real. I would have said, okay, sign me up. Um, because here we <laughs> Where's are. Where's the LSD that makes that real? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, wow, okay. Uh, we've come a long way, haven't we? Look, I, I, my wife, uh, one night, we're watching these stories back a few months ago when for some reason, 
we were hearing about UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena, all the time. It was really hot news for about a day and a half. And at one point, my wife turns to me and says, what if this is all damage control because Trump took all the documents about the UFOs and is selling it? And the White House is trying to get ahead of Trump selling UFO secrets to the highest bidder. And I turned to her and I said, honey, that's ridiculous. Go to bed. And then I lay awake, terrified the entire night. <laughs> your, your wife may be onto something. <laughs> I mean, it makes the most sense of any theory I've heard so far. Look, I, I, I mean, I've, I've had an experience too. I, in the Andes Mountains of Peru, completely sober, I saw lights in the sky that changed color, shape, and direction, and speed in ways I cannot explain. I, I, my brother was living, doing a two-year program with the Jesuits. He wrote me and told me, if you go up into the Andes Mountains, you'll see the lights. He talked to university professors who had written about it. It's commonly known among the folks in Takna, the desert where he was living. And one night I was down there for 10 days and we drove up the side of a mountain, completely sober, and saw these lights in the sky. And it was strangely comforting. I couldn't explain it. And I thought, well, there's more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt up in your philosophy. <laughs> there I'll you never go. know. I'll never know. And I'm content with that. And I enjoyed the Southern Hemisphere night sky from a mountaintop. Oh, We're never going to know, most likely. I don't assume that they're aliens from uh, other galaxies. Uh, some people say they could be us from the future. They could be from another dimension. Who knows? Um, I just know that it's really, really fun. And I also know that if the government's talking about it, I, I, I'm both excited and wary because I wonder what they don't want us talking about for that 24-hour news cycle. Or what it is they actually know that they don't let us know. And all well, of those- never do that, right? When Clinton took over, the big thing he asked Webb Hubble, he had two questions. Yeah. I want to find out about UFOs and I want to find out about, about the Kennedy assassination. And we never learned what Bill Clinton found out about those two things. No, but... and he hasn't talked about it either. He has not. No. no. Oh, you have to assume every president is, you know, gets the Bill Hicks treatment and they show him, you know, a film of JFK. <laughs> you know that Back bit? into the lab. Back into the lab. Yeah, but they show it. They show it. They show a film clip no one's ever seen taken from the grassy knoll. And then they say <laughs> questions and all the presidents behave. So, yeah. Ooh. yeah. I guess uh, I better not I say anything about it. that. <laughs> but it, it's it, it's fun. I mean, it's a fun thing to talk about, but it's also frustrating because it's one of those issues that, you know, the government would never tell us. It's like the, the Trump documents. OK, we know he did it. We know it was bad. We know it was against the Espionage Act, but they can't tell us what was in the boxes, which kind well, of that's even scarier and and they've they narrowed it down and the question was were those boxes the ones that they told us about the 31 38 counts whatever are those the things that are most incriminating or are those the things that they felt most comfortable letting us know about because i think it's the latter and not the former i think there's a lot of stuff that was not released that they yeah. have that will, they'll never release these are the ones that they can let go of You're in right. a public courtroom and get him on. You know, the thing about that that gets me is the, the first time they asked him to return documents and he gave back, what was it, 197? Yeah. Um, and then that wasn't all of them. And they had to ask and ask and ask. And he lied. And then he sent Walt Nauta to move the boxes, which we know because it's on closed circuit camera. Uh -huh. He lied to his own lawyer. Evan Corcoran went looking for these documents, but his body man had already hidden them which is why his lawyer was obliged to testify against his client to the grand jury. Um, we, we know all this, but it, like it, it destroys Trump's argument because he wasn't prosecuted with 197, the 197 documents he initially returned. He wasn't prosecuted. If no. he just returned everything, it would have been fine. It's all on him. You're, well, but all right. How about I turned him in? It's an FBI put up job. By the way, they're mine and I can keep them. I mean, they're, it, yeah. it, he created the entire mess that has become that's, the documents case. the age of Trump. We have gone from I am not a crook to a crook is not a crook. And that's the modern GOP. <laughs> well, the, the modern GOP is I may be a crook, but fuck you. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's basically what the GOP is. A big grab. Look, I, I brought you on because I, there was a, I saw <laughs> a tweet that you had from, you know, why didn't you vote for Donald Trump? Or have you read the Bible? Someone asked if I'd ever read the Bible. And your answer was? Yeah, it's why I can't support Donald Trump. <laughs> it's 
Really, <laughs> you don't need to believe in the Bible as absolute literal fact, brothers and sisters, to use it against right. the Republican Party. I mean, there is no Jesus-based defense for Donald Trump's policies or Donald Trump's support. None. Uh, you can't. You can't follow the two. The only thing they have in common, they both they, they both uh, hung out with hookers a lot, and they both use ghostwriters. And that's the end of it. That's it. Um, so I'm happy to have that debate anytime with any conservative brothers and sisters, because the Republican Party's greatest racket has been the prostitution of Christianity, the mutilation of Christianity into a mean little clique, uh, a movement of peace and love and acceptance and forgiveness that was started by a radical revolutionary, homeless, brown-skinned man who was executed by the state and has gradually devolved into this mean little clique. Jesus had, you know, his core message was, you have to take care of the most marginalized people. Whoever was hated in Jesus's time, that's who he commanded you to love. Whether it was the lepers or the prostitutes, the poorest of the poor, the tax collectors, the Roman centurions occupying the Holy Land. Don't forget, Jesus healed the Roman centurions, yes. gay male lover. He healed his teenage boy lover. We know the Romans took their boys on the road and left the wives at home. The original Greek uses the word pais, beloved boy. It wasn't a slave. Whoever was hated, that's who Jesus took the side of. And modern right-wing Christians in America do the exact opposite. Whoever is on the bottom of the social totem pole is to be shat upon. War refugees, trans kids who just want to use a bathroom they feel comfortable in, transgender soldiers looking to defend a country that all too often despises them, uh, uh, the, the poorest of the poor, and of course, the Christian refugees at our southern border who the Christians call illegals. The only law in the entire Bible about immigration or borders is you are obliged to welcome the stranger. That's both New and Old Testament. Uh, yeah. Again, you you know, so it's like I, whatsoever I, you do to the least of my brother, that it. you do unto me. Matthew 25. It's yes. the core of Jesus's message. And that's where Jesus says he's going to gather the individuals and nations. OK, it's important because, you know, our right wing friends always say, well, Jesus commanded us to take care of the sick and then take care of the poor. But he never said the government had to do it. Jesus never said the government's supposed to put a gun to my head and pick my pocket, help other people. I give it my church. Benghazi, right? That's that's the argument. Benghazi, email. It's Biden. Yeah, it's an argument saying, uh, and Jesus you never could have planned on democracy where we as a people can vote to further his teachings in society and help the poor at the ballot box. No, they don't want that. But in Matthew 25, Jesus, and again, atheists, you can use this. You don't have to believe it. But in the book, in the story, Jesus says he will gather individuals and nations, and they will be judged on how they took care of the poor, took care of the sick, welcomed the stranger, and were kind to those in prison. That's what they'll be judged on. Not how cruel you could be to migrants. Not how mean you could be to transgender children. So I'm waiting for the Democratic Party to wake up and take the Bible back from these hypocrites and Pharisees. Well, it would be nice if they did, but the problem with the Democratic Party that I find is they allow the Republican Party to frame the arguments and they every react time. to the every time. But every time. to your point, I don't think... I'll take it even further with with the the zealots, <laughs> or with the Christian zealots. It used to be a a Christian was I want to be free to worship as I believe. Now I want to be free to tell you how to worship how I believe is how they That's are. A big lie. You're right. I mean, religious freedom, right? Yeah. That was Mike Pence's bill in Indiana, the religious freedom bill, and it's rubbish. And here's where the media is the villain because when they say religious freedom, they we mean. Don't the real the freedom to believe Jesus hates the same people you do. You, yeah. you when I hear Christians saying Donald Trump fought for religious freedom, <laughs> I say no. Donald Trump said a lot of hostile, toxic shit that appealed to you. He ran for office promising, promising to ban one religion from entering the country. Full stop, end of debate. But here's the deal: <clears throat> whenever there's a homophobe, whenever there's an anti-abortion person, the mentality in the media always is, well, that's the Christian point of view. And that's what made me crazy growing up as a young person, Brian, because I had read the Gospels and I knew you and the me Bible, both, brother. Jesus is not against gay people, and and homophobia is literally the opposite of, of Christianity. Ministry. Nobody follows Leviticus or obeys it or respects it. Shitty hypocrites pick and choose parts of a book they don't follow 
to be mean to someone else and put him in a box. Well, and you know, as they say, abortion, same thing. Go ahead. Satan can, you know, Satan can quote scripture for his own benefit. And that's that does quite well. Yeah. yeah. But, but again, like I just say, okay, religious freedom. Fine. Mike Pence. Oh, Christianity. Then show me where you're Christ. Drove the gay wedding cakes oh, out of the temple. You are the Christ. Show yes. Yeah. Show me where your Christ demands you incarcerate women for abortion, demands you punish poor pregnant women with greater poverty. Show me where Christ demands the government steps in and forces a 10-year-old girl to carry and bear her rapist child. Show me where it's in the Bible, and I'll agree it's a religious freedom issue. But they their religious freedom is the freedom to make shit up in their religion. And that's yeah, it. Well, that's they don't do it just in religion, brother. I mean, they do it in government. They do it in what's in what happens in the real world. That real world, they just simply remember alternative facts. So that's it where than lies, man. Sounds better than lies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm going to bullshit you and lie to you, but let me make up a new phrase for it: alternative facts. Yeah. So, yeah. so how do you? What would you recommend as a cure to that? As a cure to what? To the intolerance of Christianity. Well, well the or as Bertrand Russell said, why I'm not a Christian. I mean, you've given yeah. all the, the, the reasons why Bertrand Russell said, I, why I am not a Christian, because Christians aren't really Christian. Yeah, I ha I hate to disagree with Bertrand Russell, but I, well, I guess I do, because it's not why I am not a Christian. It's why they, they are, are not Christ followers. Christian is a team name. You can call yourself Christian all you want. And I have this argument with my atheist friends a lot. They say, they say, oh, no, they're the real Christians. You know, you, I call them fake Christians. The atheists say, no, no, no. Sorry, John. That's what real Christians do. That's real Christianity. And I'm like, no, it's really not. If you if you say you're in a Rolling Stones cover band, but you only do songs by Nickelback. You're not in a Rolling Stones, Rolling cover, Stones band. cover band. Find a new name for your group. Yeah, I well, it's the same. How many people will criticize? Well, see, this pisses me off on the right and the left that you will have atheists who will tell you those are Christians. They've not read the book. And then you've had Christians who will tell you what Christianity is, and they haven't read the book. Just as I find it very useful to separate racists from bigots more and more, you know, I mean, yeah. bigots are the ones who hate. Racists don't necessarily hate. They're just part of the problem. They spread uh, a stereotype. No. They make it worse. They're institutionalized. We have to de delineate now between Christians and Christ followers, because... <laughs> I, I guess that's the only way to do it. You can call yourself whatever you want, but you can't call yourself a Christ follower when you're supporting grabbing by the pussy. And, yeah. and again, I, I'm not saying that Joe Biden and the Democratic Matthew Party, seven five grab them by. <laughs> that's the there. That's what they are. They're grabbing by the pussy evangelicals, Brian. And again, not saying that Joe Biden and the Democrats are the Christian ideal. Not saying that. I'm no. saying though, the Democrats are light years closer to the gospel teachings. You don't need to believe in any of it as literal fact, but the the, the book that we have, the story that King James decided we were all going to believe, okay, that Jesus is a peaceful, radical, nonviolent, revolutionary, hungs out with lepers, hookers, and crooks. He never spoke English, wasn't American, anti-wealth and capitalism, anti-public prayer, Matthew 6, 5, uh, completely anti-death penalty never anti-gay, never mentioned abortion, never technically came out against premarital sex, never called poor nope. people lazy, never fought for tax cuts for the wealthiest Nazarenes, never said torture's okay in some conditions, and was a long-haired, brown skin, that's in that's in a, a, a revelation, brown skin, homeless, yeah. community organizing, unarmed, anti-slut-shaming, Palestinian, liberal Jew. <laughs> that's the guy. That's... <laughs> And with that said, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk a little bit about something else that you brought up uh, earlier. God's sake, let's get off of God. <laughs> Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. 
And hi, we're back. It's just asked the question. I am your host, Brian Karam. And with us is Matthew 5, 6. No, with us is John Fugel saying, John, we were talking before the break about Jesus. I want to shift gears a little bit. And we are also, how did we get from UAPs to Jesus? Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> I wanted to talk a little Scientology bit. Scientology has an answer. <laughs> That's, there you go. There was um, this week, it's rumored that we're going to see a third indictment from Donald Trump. Yes. Or on Donald Trump. And they have already the, the uh, without even knowing what it is, we've it's already been denounced by the GOP as part of the deep yep. state. Without, yeah. uh, with, and, and some of them may be involved in this one because it's January 6th. But the, uh, the, the trumpets are sounding loudly that they're going to try and now impeach Joe Biden. And yeah. there's been absolutely no evidence presented. In fact, there are two members of the uh, of the Republican uh, delegation who have said, we, we don't know if there's any information. We don't know if there are any facts to back it up. How do you, yeah. how do you react to that? I'm, it, it, it didn't stop Lindsey Graham with Bill Clinton. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to stop it. Look, here's, here's my response to that, Brian. Um, the first Republican presidential debate is going to be next month on August 23rd, okay? Um, here's what happens after that. The Trump Organization's civil fraud suit starts in October. Yeah. Then in January, the E. Jean Carroll civil defamation suit. Then later in January, the pyramid scheme class action right. suit. And then in, in, in March, Super Tuesday's March 5th, March 25th, 20 days later, Donald Trump's trial in New York State criminal court for the hush money begins. And then tentatively on May 20th, uh, the classified documents trial happens about two months before the Republican National Convention begins. That's already one, two, three, four, five trials Donald Trump has during his campaign year with two more to go. There'll be another federal Maybe indictment, three. most likely, most likely Georgia as well. Yeah. So, yeah, um, of course, the Republican Party is going to try to say that they're going to impeach Joe Biden. I hope they try. I would love to watch that blow up in Kevin McCarthy's face as well. They're going to say it because what else are they going to say, Brian? They can't defend him. They can't defend Donald Trump. So they're going to attack Biden in any way they can. They're going to bring in these farcical whistleblowers. I really thought they were going to be wise enough to disinvite RFK after that tape leaked, but they're not wise enough to do that. So let them do it. It's what they're going to do. What they won't be doing is telling hardworking conservative white folks what their plan is to help you with healthcare costs, with education costs, and with pollution. Won't be talking about any of that whatsoever. They'll be talking about the scandal of the week to try to smear Joe Biden, and that stuff only works on the people it already works on. It, the Republican Party believe. is trying to win a nomination, but they're not trying to win a general election. Well, I think that, do you think that, Don, I see, all right, I'll preface this. I no. don't think yet that it's inevitable that Donald Trump is on the ticket November of next year. Not inevitable at all. I hope it, I hope he is. I want it to be him, but I, I, you know, who my great fear is Youngkin. Nope. Who? I think there's, this person could not win right now, could not win a GOP primary, but if Liz Cheney is at the top of the ticket, that woman will take a lot of votes from the Democrats. And that would be, probably the most difficult candidate they would who's, see. Who's going to vote for her exactly? The the Republican Party that despises her? Here, No one's going to vote for her right now. You think anti-MAGA can get the nomination? I think non-MAGA could get the nomination. You think anti-MAGA could get I it? I think at the end of the day, if the Repu I one thing I've always noticed about the Republican Party, they are a win-at-any-cost proposition. I know that. You may be right. I, I, I think if Chris that lane opens up, if Donald Trump isn't there, then a Kinsinger at VP and Liz Cheney at the top of the ticket would be. You know what? You, yeah, that's crazy. But you know what? It, it actually might happen because as crazy as that is, um, I've talked to Democrats, otherwise smart people who say to me, you know, I love this Liz Cheney. I'd, I'd like her to see her run for president. And I'm like, yes, oh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. abortion rights. She thinks millionaires have it really rough. She still thinks the Iraq war was a great idea um, and thinks climate science is a hoax. Go ahead. Run, and she run voted 95% of the time with Donald Trump. But again, she it's people frightening to me. She's no hero. And she, no. but she would win 
on it in a general election because she would and add those crossover votes. You're thinking Democrats will vote for an anti-abortion rights Republican. I, I'm look, thinking that if if Democrats are faced with her versus someone, I, I at this point I'm also concerned about Biden being on the ticket. I think that there are a lot of people that are upset with him that are Democrats, and they would get enough crossover votes to make a difference. It's it's just a to me that's the most frightening. Let's, I mean, it's sure, but I mean, let's see how it is a year from now. You know, exactly. Joe, Biden, Joe Biden's got one thing he's always talks about. His eternal strategy is, you know, compare me to the other guy, and I do yeah. think most of us <laughs> vote based on policy. You're forgetting this little thing called Roe v. Wade. When you're seeing an historic- No, the Democrats are forgetting that, brother. They have not, not forgetting that. They're not forgetting it in Wisconsin at the Supreme Court uh, voting in an off-year off election. My God, abortion rights won in, in, in Kansas. And no, they just I put think, it on the ballot in Ohio, didn't they? There's going to be a lot of people very, very upset about Roe v. Wade. It's going to drive turnout in incredible ways. And, and you know, again, um, even people who don't like Biden, like half the people who voted for him last time, it comes down to, is he better than the other option? And look, you got somebody better than Biden, put him up and I'll vote for him. But I don't yeah. see that happening. I, think I don't see that happening either. I, based I, on I, policy. But a lot of this is also the ageism, you know, which drives me crazy. That's um, the one that, that that's where I think he gets hurt is there are people right now. And I talked to him. I talked to someone the other day. It was like, well, you know, if it comes down to it, I really don't like Trump. But if it's Trump or, or Biden, you know, Biden could drop dead and we'd be left with Kamala Harris. Yeah, and going, that's the whole notion, right? A black woman is president. Yes, that scares the shit black. out of people. Every time I go on News Nation, this is always the only topic they talk about. And I'm like, Kamala Harris will be endorsing the same policy positions as Joe Biden. It's going to be the same platform. People will vote for that. No one's going to say, you know, there's very few people who would do that. Although there are, I talked to these Trump Democrats, people who say, I'm not a racist. I voted for Obama. Then I voted for Trump. And I'm like, so overnight, you decided abortion was evil and billionaires have it rough and climate science is myth, huh? Just overnight. So you're right. A lot of people don't think that deeply about the policies and they just go for a popularity contest. So well, I, think, I think it was Dave Chappelle who, to, who touched on something that's true. And he said when Biden went, no, when Trump came out and said the, the, uh, the system is rigged. And I know it because I take advantage of it like anyone else, like yep. everyone else. And then yep. walk back in. That made him a star among those people who said, yeah, see, the system's rigged. Let's vote for the guy who, who knows it is, who admits that it is. So he's an honest liar. Is That's what they like. Yeah. I mean, they again, it should have been over with his years of racist lies about the first black president's birth. Should have ended all of it. Well, I, I, I think it should have ended many different ways that one was I, I think it should have ended before he ever walked down the damn steps but that, yeah how about when he made fun of a a reporter a handicapped reporter exactly right exactly but they defend that as well i was on piers morgan and they were doing this whole thing oh trump always does that voice and i'm and i'm like yeah. no he actually said have you seen this guy this poor guy before he did the like they will find yeah. a block i was debating a woman today and I said he literally stole from veterans uh, with Trump University. Well, he didn't know. He didn't realize that was happening. Maybe he really believed. I, I talked to someone else who said he really believed that Barack Obama wasn't born here. I'm like, there was always an announcement in the Hawaii newspaper in 1961. But it's a cult, Brian. It's a cult of obedience. It's it's a cult of, I, I think it's a, a, a cult of disingenuous, fearful, ignorance that's yes. where i go with it and and it's just i i it the obedience comes because they're fearful and ignorant and they hear something in their ear that makes yeah. that gives them the idea of of control it's a yeah. world that they cannot control and honestly i recommend I, I always recommend asking these people if you're ever debating one just ask them where politely with love where was barack obama born and even though Donald Trump admitted on September 16th, 2016, that Obama was born here, they don't know that because the news they consume never told them. Yeah. So you ask someone now, where was Barack Obama born? And they will say, I don't know. They'll say, what does it matter where he's? I don't care where he's born. They'll say, well, he claims he was born in Hawaii. They can't come out and say it. <laughs> yeah. Seven years after Donald Trump told the truth about it, they are still more loyal to Trump's racism and lies 
than objective fact. I'll give you another so, one. Every time someone says, well, you know, Donald Trump really won, I go, there is no court, even judges appointed by Donald Trump have said that there is absolutely no proof or evidence that that the election was rigged. And yet they will say, well, where'd you learn about that? All right, exactly. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. I'll, we'll get to that when we get right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you and we need your help. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. We're back. We, we, we were gone, but we're back. So the, the, the thing I was saying before we went to break was, you know, Donald Trump has, there's no proof, no judge has ever shown any evidence or even judges appointed by Trump. And yet the supporters for Donald Trump will go, well, where'd you hear that from? Yeah. Where'd you, how do you, you know that? that? How, yeah, how do you know the judges threw 60 cases out of court, some with extreme prejudice? How do you know that? Well, because it's on their public docket and it's available. Who told you? Oh, no, you know, because the media, the media yeah. told you that you just swallow it. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. They're know, swallowing. So, so I asked them. So so uh, Donald Trump's um, uh, Homeland Security chief called this the most secure election in American history. And his secretary of state, his attorney general and his daughter and his vice president all acknowledged he lost. Are are they all liars too? Does Donald yeah. Trump hire anyone who's not a liar? Oh, Stephen Miller. I guess that's it. But otherwise, yeah. Jason Look, Miller. Here's what we have to remember. These people drive us insane. That's what gaslighting is. It's supposed to drive us crazy, right? Like, I mean, that's owning the libs. That's what conservatism that means. That keeps you from looking at real issues. If you're all wrapped up with, that's exactly. that's exactly, I mean, it's like, who is the idiot who, I, I can't even remember his name, the guy who burned the Barbie doll and was pissed off. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean yeah. Ben's burning Barbie. We Ben Shapiro, boys Ash. Only 14 yeah. years old and has his own website. Yeah. And uh, I mean you I'm going, he's a kid. I somebody asked me to respond to that. I'm going, well, he's a grown man playing with Barbie dolls. What do you want from me? Yeah. I it's it's I mean, not it I can't take those things seriously. No, well, because your manhood is not as fragile as Ben Shapiro's. <laughs> Well, I you thought know, he was an alpha male. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a big alpha male. Oh, definitely. Every every Saturday night when his wife's lover comes over to make love to her and Ben watches in the corner, he stands proud because <laughs> <he's not laughs> so Well, I'm telling you. That's I'll tell you something else. I would never let a socialist make beautiful love to my wife while I watch in the corner. Uh-uh. Only hardcore capitalists and freedom lovers get to be my wife. <laughs> that's yeah, that's Ben's whole thing. I mean, I've met him. He's a weaselly guy. And again... He's a laughing stock outside the bubble. These people are all going to make us crazy, but we have to remember something. There's more of us. There's more of Thank us. You. And by by us, I mean everyone who's not in the right wing bubble. And so the whole notion of it is, what are you going to do to get people excited to turn out and vote? Which is why Donald Trump is old Joe Biden's best hope, because people are very excited to turn out and vote against him. Yeah, and, and uh, for infrastructure and and uh, and against the the upsetting of abortion. Those are the two big issues I think that Democrats. You know, I keep hearing, well, you know, there's going to be at any moment now, there's going to be a downturn in the economy. There's going to be a recession. Yeah, I have driven back and forth across this country three times in the last year. Ain't going to happen because of the trillion dollars invested in this country and in infrastructure. People are working for that reason alone. There's not going to be. A and, th and that will become more visible next year. You know, yes. become more visible. But again, the problem is the, the the it's not the deplorables. It's the gullibles. And they live in the right wing bubble where they have their own alternative facts, as you pointed out, where they are beyond reason. And we're not going to wake any of them up out of the matrix. We can't hate them. Uh, we have to beat them. And as John Lennon said, the only thing that works against fascism is nonviolence and ridicule. 
but in this case, uh, successful political organizing, and there's lots of reasons for anyone who is not a heterosexual, right-wing, hypocritical, fake Christian, white male to vote for <laughs> Donald Trump. I'm sorry, but I'm rooting so, if you liberals ruin this for Trump, before he gets a chance to lose the popular vote for a third time, I will never forget you liberals, okay? We're on the precipice of one man being rejected by the majority of Americans for a third time in a row, people. Straight three, you're out. <laughs> Don't forget, he also ran for the Reform Party. So technically, he's already lost three times. Hey, yeah, he's a three-time loser. Ooh, oh, tell you, tough room for that guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? You know, that was an ugly child, too, you know? That's, <laughs> oh, I got no respect. I was breastfed by my father. Oh, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> my mother wouldn't breastfeed me. She says, I think even more as a friend. <laughs> you know, it, I love Rodney. I used to follow Rodney when I was a kid. I used to follow him on stage at the uh, at the Laugh Factory all the time in L.A. And during the pandemic, um, Dangerfields was the first New York City comedy club to shut down. It was a great room. I liked it. Uh, Love that room. Very, very bridge and tunnel, but it was a great room. And then a couple of months later, out in Long Island City, Queens, the Creek in the Cave, the hipster club closed down. And all of the trades all had the same headline. Creek in the Cave becomes the first New York City comedy club to close its doors in the pandemic. And I thought, oh, my God, even Dangerfields, the club can't get any respect. <laughs> and let me tell you, Brian, millennials do not get that joke. No, Ooh. they don't. That's, millennials well, I, do not get the Rodney Dangerfield jokes. <laughs> so a, a buddy of mine was at Caroline's, right? And he he shows Rest up in in and, she, and goes, where's the green room? Uh, it's that door over there. You go through there. This walks out the door. He's sitting and standing in the middle of a you know alley, and up against the wall, he sees someone taking a piss, and he says to the guy, "Rodney, is that you?" And Rodney turns around and grabs his junk, looks right at him, and says, "Huh? How you doing? Welcome to the big time." <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you, if you want to do Rodney stories every night? Oh, I got one would, more, but go ahead. Yes. Every night he would go on stage, right? And he would bring like a piece of paper with all of his jokes on it. And he'd read his jokes. He'd just read them. He'd look down and read them. And if ever a joke didn't get a laugh, he would say, I'm 78 fucking years old. Fuck you. And that would get the laugh. <laughs> and he would do, you know, prison. He would be like, guy goes to prison. <laughs> guy goes to prison. And, uh, and, uh, uh, Meets his cellmate. Cellmate's a big, huge guy with muscles and tattoos. Cellmate says, you want to be the husband or the wife? The guy says, uh, I guess I, know I want to be the husband. And the guy said, okay, why don't you come over here and suck your wife's cock? <laughs> he be 78 years old, telling these jokes at midnight shows at the Laugh Factory, making the roof, like old, dirty jokes. But every night, the piece of paper would get smaller. And that uh, was how he memorized his set. Every night he'd print out a smaller piece of paper because once he had a joke down, he wouldn't need it. And every night also, as soon as he got off stage, he would go up to his wife who held the tape recorder. He would take the tape recorder. He would go in the Laugh Factory men's room, go into the stall and listen with it up to his ear while the next comic, usually me, was on stage just to hear how he did right away at age 78. Rodney was a pro till he died. Yeah, he, there was a buddy of mine, Bill King, who did five minutes at um, at, at Dangerfields? He was up at like two in the morning. You know, he gets he gets his five minutes, and as he's standing up there, who walks in but Rodney with a woman on each arm, and and uh, he's of course Rodney. He's looking for blow. <laughs> you got any blow? You got any blow? And Bill says, That's "Oh, not a big uh, secret." Uh, yeah, not a no. It is roast. Who was it that? Who said that? Here's a guy that kept Peru in business. Um, <laughs> so, that's, that's, uh, so Bill says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, oh, it, it's Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield. Ladies and Rodney, would you like to come up and do a few moments? And he goes, shut up, kid. You're doing fine. Hey, you got any blow? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was well loved in New York. And he was um, one of the few people that I interviewed that was, I, I mean, to me was as, you know, I was a young kid interviewing him. And he was as gracious to me as if I were the president of the United States. I got to tell you, that meant everything to me. Just, hey, how do you feel about a new Beatles song? How do you feel about it? I was good. That's one of my questions. I was going to ask you. How do you feel about it? Great about it. Great about it. I would like to hear it. I hope it's better than is right now. I mean, you can hear the original demo anytime you want on YouTube. It's called Now and Then. 
you know, I've heard the original demo. I want to see yeah. how they mix it. What I was really concerned about was, is George on it? Because when they sat down with Jeff Lynn in 94 to make all those three new songs, right? Yoko gave Paul the, the demo tape of John at the piano. And, and that's where we got free as a bird and real love. Right. And that was so exciting back in 95. Um, and it's hard to believe it, it, it felt so long since the Beatles had broken up when those songs were released, but now it's longer since those years. songs were released than it was from the Beatles breakup. Those, Free as a Bird is closer to Let It Be than it is to right now. Yeah. And so Now and Then is, a, again, not a, not a great song, but I mean, neither was Free as a Bird and they did beautiful stuff with yeah. it. Um, the AI is not faking John's voice. I've been really enjoying all these AI songs of like, Paul McCartney singing Lennon songs and George Harrison singing Oasis songs or like I've been loving all that nonsense but this is just using the technology to take John's dirty vocal and piano and clean them Cleaned up. it up. Yeah. That was why in 94 George bailed on this. George said no and George was the one who said it cuz there were three, right? The Beatles right. and the only artist to have three double albums hit number 1 in the same year. That was Anthology. And the third album didn't have a new song, Anthology 3. Ringo has revealed that George did lay down guitar work on it. Olivia has signed off on releasing it, and so is Yoko. So it is very authentically um, a Beatles song. Um, and I can't wait to hear it in its entirety. Yeah. Honestly, I, mean, I endorse it. I think it's well, great. And here's one for you that, you know, remember when Free as a Bird came out, I remember, do you remember what Mick Jagger said? Because they no. were, he said, what? We're competing with those guys again. <laughs> it's because they had a they had a song on the chart at the time. I can't remember what it was. They released their best ever live album that year. I think "Stripped" from '95 is the best oh, Stones record yes. ever. It's my yeah, favorite, without a doubt. What you, you know, I always get this. People always ask me. I was I had to do a debate once at Symphony Space: Beatles versus Stones. It's so ungodly. It's this amoral Sophie's choice. It's a really simple answer. Okay, anyone ever asks you this evil question? Beatles or Stones? You say Beatles in the studio, Stones live, and walk away. That's pretty much right. Well, see, I I'll say this from having played music: the Stones okay. are a great pub band. They're great yeah. live. Very, yeah. and, and you Let's can, and I don't think they're they're not difficult to to reproduce it live. And you get the energy and the verb, yes. and it's great. The Beatles are the, the nuance. It's not as simple. Those were very complicated recordings. And to do them Some live is difficult. Yes. And Some I mean, even the, the guitar playing is I, I've listened over and over again. It's like, wait a minute, there's an extra step in there that I that I didn't know about. Right. And and so to me, and I've seen this happen to bands, you can miss a note in a in a Rolling Stone song. As long as you got the energy, as long as you're playing the music, you're fine. You yeah. screw up one note of a Beatles song. Yeah, it's true. Fucked. <laughs> I agree. I agree completely. But I'll tell you, did you see McCartney last year at yes. age eighty? Yeah. I like I I loved McCartney at eighty. He added a horn section. Yeah. You know, and seeing Harrison Ford, I loved the new Indiana Jones movie. I did too. Loved it. Um, uh, I'm fine having an 80 year old president after these experiences, you know, uh, they're Scorsese, Carol King, all my favorite people are 80, but, um, you know, McCartney, Carol, Ford, Carol King, Carol King is 80, oh, Carol uh, King, yeah. but McCartney adding a horn section for the first time in his career, in his solo career last year, it made those songs come alive. I'm looking at the set list like, oh, why is he doing, let it, let him in. Why is yeah. he doing Lady Madonna for the hundredth time. And all of those songs sounded brand new with that horn section. I swear to God, I hope he tours one more time. I think he oh, will. I, I think he will. I'm I'm friends with guys in his band. And I, he was just, it was, and his voice is shot. It's very thin. There will never be a live album of this final tour. You can watch the Glastonbury show, but man, he's still great. His playing is still great. Um, I kind of feel like he could change the set list up a bit and, you know, take a page out of Leonard Cohen's book. Leonard Cohen did great, great, great concerts when he was in his late 70s. But, um, you know, I, Paul is the real deal and seeing him live just it's undeniable. And and Paul has been able to do things like Mr. Kite and Lovely Rita. Yeah. Uh, in live shows that I never thought he could ever play. So, you know, it, and it I never thought I would ever hear live. Yeah. And he and, does it very faithfully to the album. Bob Dylan would just 
make them almost unrecognizable and trying to find a way to make them new again. McCartney not is like touching that. <laughs> that's an easy, that's a setup with a punchline. I'm not going to deliver. That's but it. no, but Paul's like Billy Joel. I mean, he tries yeah. to make it sound exactly like the album and you know, that's great. That's what, that's what most people like. So uh, and I, that's what I, people do want to hear. He's playing to his audience. I hope he tours till he's 90. I, I don't think he's going to do a lot more three hour shows, but I hope he still tours on the road. Uh, you're, and when you speak about his thin voice, I mean, I remember him at the white house when he played, um, he was fine. Obama? Pardon? Yeah. I think it was, yeah. During Obama, he was, he, he cracked a little bit because he had played live earlier. Yeah. But the thing that I remember most about that is I think he's fine. He's got an hour in him. I think he was, he, his, he was also still in his sixties then. Yeah. I, I think he could do, I still think in listening to him that he could do a set of maybe 10 songs, maybe, and, and he'd be all right. But after that, I think his voice is thin. Maybe I don't want to, I don't want to drive everybody away, but you know, in, in his album of standards that came out 11 years ago with a horrible title, um, that is a really interesting McCartney record because it's the first album where he didn't play any instruments. Yeah. The only thing. And it's the first album I think where he allowed himself to sound old. And, you know, he, he plays with it. His voice is very new and he plays with it on, on Egypt station songs like hand in hand. He, yeah. he finds a comfortable zone in his thinner, older voice. And I'd love to see him get creative with his set lists you know, after Mick Jagger's heart scare, I went and saw the Stones on Charlie Watts's last tour. And, you know, you adapt. Mick played guitar a lot that night because Mick couldn't run around the stage. So it's like <laughs> see McCartney adapt a little more to where his voice is now and, you know, maybe start putting in some songs in his set list. He doesn't have he doesn't need to do Helter Skelter. I'd love to hear Pipes of Peace. You know what I mean? Oh. Like. I, you know what I want to hear? I don't want no other baby but you. I love that song. That is the best song on what might be his most underrated record. I think it is his most underrated album. And that is, to me, I, I do that song and people always right. come up to me afterwards and go, who who did that? I, I think I, I'm going, that's Paul McCartney. No, yeah. I go, it was the first song. He, he And if you see the video, at the end, he looks as he's laying in that boat, kind of like Linda. And it's the first song he wrote and sang after Linda's death. Yeah. And so to me, that's always, always very poignant. And I love that that's song. on that record. Run, Devil, Run. Terrific record. Run, Devil, Run. A great record. I love it. So, all right. Now, moving on to the other thing. I want to X marks the spot, baby. We've, we've done UFOs and politics and Christianity and Beatles. Where else you want to drag And Rodney. <laughs> and Rodney. All right. Hit me. X. Twitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, it's a, it's a great year to watch fascists melt down. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to watch Ron DeSantis implode and, and I got to keep on watching Elon Musk implode on Twitter. You know, uh, I'm trying to watch Trump implode, but Elon keeps my, my, my God, it's just like Putin and Kanye and Trump and Elon are just the new Ooh. avatars for men making terrible choices that were completely preventable. You um, kind of wonder if they were in the uh, the submersible near the Titanic because they've oh. all <laughs> poof. <laughs> I mean, I swear to God, I don't understand this guy Musk anymore. Like for a while, I was thinking. <laughs> for a while, Brian, I was thinking, okay, who staked him the forty-four billion? That's what this is about. Someone wanted to blow up the world's global public square where heads of state and journalists and activists and comedians all met and, inter you know, yeah, someone, to we finally, for the first time in the history of the internet, had one imperfect place where most of the world checked in, right? Once yeah. a day. And, and, and what foreign entities would be willing to give a few billion to completely destroy that and divide us further? Um, now at this point though, I, I just think, my God, Twitter's like a mob restaurant being burned down for the insurance money. I mean, yeah, I mean, like like driving away all your influencers, uh, charging people eight dollars to use this feature. I, it, what did Tom Petty say in the last DJ? As we celebrate mediocrity, all the boys yeah. upstairs want to see how much you'll pay for what you used to get for free. Yeah. Turns out, um, just as there are a lot of people who don't want to give money to a billionaire for his legal fees. There's a lot of people who don't want to give money to a billionaire to help him wreck a website. So, you know, let let the clones compete. Well, you know, 
for me Tell me. To, to publish a an article, you know, on the internet. I used to just put it on Twitter. Got 400,000 people that same. follow me. Fine. Great. Not a problem. Yep. The podcast, same way. Now I'm on five different damn platforms to do what Twitter wants. And I've, I've sworn to be there till the very bitter end of Twitter just to watch it go because yeah. it, which could be tomorrow. I mean, it's like once a week, he comes out with something stupid that further depletes numbers. And at the beginning of every week, I see my followers go down by the end of the week, it goes back up. And then he how does followers. How many of you lost since he bought the site? I've lost 22,000 followers. That's about how many I've lost. Yeah. yeah. About the same amount. I've, I've gained some of them back but I've lost approximately 20,000, 20 to 25. I gained a couple thousand back and then they've gone again in the past couple of weeks. But at the same time, I'm just, I'm just so happy for all the anti-Semites and racists, Brian, oh. you know, I'm just so happy that they can now without ever verifying themselves can still be cowards, yes. uh, public cowards attacking people being anti-Semites and racists, but they can say they're verified when we can't see their names and faces. And you know what? Racists have been the bad guys in movies for a lot. They've had it tough, Brian, yeah. finally. They have their champion. So I, I, I guess, you know, we got to look out for the least of these. No one ever takes the side of the most evil, stupid, ignorant motherfuckers in society. Thank God there's an apartheid Nepo baby to the rescue. Well, thank God for that, right? Because now I get to see every day on Twitter, somebody tell me that slavery was a good thing for the slaves. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they learned so many job skills they could put on their resume when they applied to a different white person for a job in the South in the 1830s. Yeah, I love how that, you know, they learned it. So when they got out of slavery, I go, who got out of slavery? They were slaves. They were born they into it, many, and then died in it. You know, at the end of the 1865, what about all those millions that came before? You morons. You young, people, you young people like your tattoos? Auschwitz gave them away for free. That's those right. Children, and we don't talk enough about how Jews enjoyed a free transportation. They were, they got free train ride, free room and board, free tattoos. My God, that's college right there. And they learn job skills. They learn job skills in the camps. Yeah. What the Lost hell? Weight. I mean, there's so many benefits we don't take seriously in this country. My God. <laughs> on that I, thought. It's like, it's like the new racism is the denial of racism. And, and they make it really, really easy. Uh, and, anybody who's trying to tell you why those Confederate memorials are okay. You know, anyone who's trying to defend waving that flag of white supremacy and treason anyone who's trying to tell you how Columbus was just a product of his times and no one knew what he was doing was evil. I mean, you know, again, people are more loyal to racism and lies than they are to the truth because many of us were raised in that kind of culture. And that's, you know, honor thy mother and thy father is not really a good commandment if your parents were white supremacists. Well, and I, I don't know where, where were you raised? What, where, where New did York. you now, New York. Now I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky and the, Biggest argument I would always get in with, and this was my immigrant grandfather and immigrant uh, father. You know, we came to this country after it, and and my grandfather was one who defended Muhammad Ali when he changed his name from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali. He kicked right. a guy out of his house. I remember watching him say, "A man has earned the right to call himself whatever he wants to call himself. If you don't like it, get the fuck out of my house." Wow. <laughs> but your dad and my dad would have gotten along very well. And so when they would teach us in, in, you know, school, and it wasn't necessarily school, it was, it was the atmosphere, which would see Confederate flags in garages. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was actually taught different in school, but you would hear people go, well, you know, actually. Heritage. You got you to give it to the fact that, you know, that Robert E. Lee was really a patriot. He did this oh, against yeah. his will. And it was, oh, yeah. you know, he was just trying to help out his state of I Virginia. That. I was taught that growing up. I was, I, I thought, well, wait a minute. He was offered the command of the Union Army and turned it down to go to, to Virginia. He's a fucking traitor. He's, yeah, he's he a broke, traitor. He was an oath breaker. Yeah. But, you know, the story I read as a child was he was just so loyal to Virginia and he hated slavery and hoped Virginia wouldn't secede, but he had to go along with his home state. And then, of course, what a crock of crap. he owned people and his cruelty was legendary amongst his human property. And what's and really what what I love best about it, it was the uh, quartermaster of the Union Army when during the middle of, uh, you know, the, the Civil War and they had all these 
dead people piling up and they go, what are, what are we going to do with them? He said, well, I see this little house on the hill over there in Arlington. Fuck him. We're going to put all the, we're going to inter the dead in the front yard for, for, so that Robert E. Lee will never forget what he caused. And that guy is my hero. And that's why we have Arlington National Cemetery. And yeah, you know, I, and people to this day, there are people in Virginia go, well, the government stole it from him. And I'm going, I, I, I you, you know, you raised arms against your country. You pretty much get what you got coming to you at that point. That's it, right. I mean, look, Donald Trump, I always say, is the second president of the Confederacy because there has never been an American president uh, since Andrew Johnson who was more pro-Confederate than our beautiful memorials. Do you, do you ask Jewish kids to walk by statues of Hitler on their way to yeah. school? Because they're really happy asking Black people to walk by statues of white supremacists who slaughtered Americans so that Martin Luther King could be born the property of a white man. Yeah, That's what Trump defends. That's what their ugly, racist, mediocre white supremacist flag was celebrating. That's it. I mean, it's not an opinion. That's it. And yeah. it's sort of a moral IQ test, along with how we treated the Indians. Either you care or you don't. And this country, you can tell. Just ask anybody about the Confederate flag. You, you, you'll see how we still don't take slavery seriously. Of course, race relations are abominable. Of course, a guy can run saying the first black president wasn't born here and push this racist smear for years with no evidence to get the White House because we haven't even had a reckoning of what slavery was in this country yet. You are. And on that thought, we do have some final final words. When oh, we yeah, now, yeah, now that I got preachy, let's wrap up. Good. I like that. <laughs> no, I like that. But on that thought, we'll take another short break. We'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we're back. It's just asked the question. I am your host, Brian Karam. And with us is John Fugel saying, and John, uh, to as we end this wonderful hour together, and I got to tell you, it's always fun having you on the show, man. I love it. Um, Thank you. I would like to ask you a very serious question. Where do you see this country January of 2025? Uh, you know, I think most likely, the most, if, you, if I had to bet money, I'd say re-inaugurating Joe Biden. There you go. Most likely. Most but likely. It could go many different ways. Um, it could be, it could, I don't think it's going to be Trump. I don't really don't think it's it going to be, be Trump anymore. It won't be. Um, it could be Yunkin, you know, um, I don't think it could be Christie, but watch for Chris Christie to do much better than everyone's giving him credit for in this uh, debate series that is coming up. But I think most likely it'll be old Joe being sworn in for his second uh, inaugural and then we'll see you know how uh we'll see how it all goes i mean you know again it's like i i know he's old i get it but i'd rather have a president who's old and needs a nap than a president who's old and needs more defense attorneys <laughs> and whatever happens i know it's not going to be mike pence <laughs> it's gonna be mike pence no margin of error is going to whoop his butt yeah <laughs> and i think tim scott is running for vice president and i I think so, Tim Scott or so, Nikki Haley. Yeah. Tim Scott or Nikki Haley are a lock for VP. Yeah, that there you go. So with that said, uh, look, thanks again for being on the show. It's just asked a question. Coming up uh, in this week, after, after coming up this week, net in the next few days, we'll also have John Kirby and Norm Eisen on the show. So again, John, it's always a pleasure having you. And we always want to have you back. Brian, I'm so honored to be here. I want to tell everyone you can listen to our Sirius XM show uh, five nights a week, 9 p.m. on the East Coast, uh, 6 p.m. on the Pacific. If that's too late for your taste, you can always listen on demand on the app. And if you don't have Sirius XM, we have a free podcast five days a week, the John Fugelsang podcast, wherever you get them. Uh, but because of the strike, all of our celebrities have had to cancel. So it's a lot of political people Ooh. and a lot of comedians, a lot of activists and journalists. And I love the comedians. <laughs> I love yeah. the activists. 
I'm going out through the show in LA for a month and I'm just trying to get actors to come talk about the strike because they can't talk about projects. Pam, oh, Pam Greer had to cancel on me this week. I was Oh crushed. no. Yeah. Well, I had I had John Cryer on earlier this week talking about the uh strike and <laughs> and how Sparks we had on right before the strike. I know he's right in on. years. So right on. anyway, you, well, thanks a lot. We'll catch you next time. It's just ask the question. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you later.